This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up, everyone? Carm Capriato. Welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio and the Town Hall Academy. Our goal is always to advance the aftermarket in supporting your business acumen and your personal and business success. Good to have you here. Town Hall Academy Service Advisor Overload. Hmm. And the potential solutions that come from all the work we put on our great front counter people. With me is Dave Shadeen, CompuTrack Automotive Management Systems Coaching Consultant. Hey, Dave. Hey, great to be here, Carm. Um, of all the subjects to talk on, this is one of my favorite ones. I know. And uh, you, you never fail to say, Carm, we got to do something on this. And we've been kind of chatting about it for a while. So thank God it got up on my list. I was really looking to get owners on here. And Dave convinced me, no, because... From an objective perspective, from a coach uh, or a service advisor uh, trainer and coach like Clint, there's a a much more objective perspective, maybe. And I think we're going to be right when we're done with this. So thanks for that. Murray Voth is here, RPM training coach and consultant. Hello, Murray. Hello, Carm, Clint and Dave. Good to be here. Glad you're here, my friend. And Clint White coaching with Integrity LLC, service advisor coach. Hey, Clint. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. We're really happy. Uh, Stop for a moment to give a high five out to Shopware. You know, some days you wish you had a traffic cop in your shop to keep order. Well, Shopware installed red and green lights inside its workflow page, shows you when parts have arrived so you can go with a repair. Brilliant. Just brilliant. On the web at getshopware.com. And with over 2,300 SKUs and 95% sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos. Get started at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, guys, let's jump in this uh, full bore. We have more notes and talking points than you'll ever, ever want This could go on for two or three hours, but we're not going to make that happen. Our objective is to really kind of, if you will, jumpstart your thinking and give you some solutions on how we can best handle overload and solutions. So, Dave, uh, 19 points you sent me, expectations and roles and advisor plays. Uh, Can I put it up on the screen? Yeah. Well, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the problem. I want to spend time on the solution, but we've, we've got to look at this. The roles that an advisor will play... You know, starting with the receptionists, they schedule the appointments. They're supposed to be the customer service representative, which means they have all the people skills to connect and build trust. They're customer relations manager. They're the start of CRM. If CRM is not a program you do after the fact. CRM starts with your advisor. In fact, every CRM on this planet makes or breaks with how the advisor handles it at the counter. They got to know all the everything. They got to be a, a fleet manager for those shops that have fleets. And even if you consider... A family that's got six or seven cars, they're a fleet manager. They've got to manage all the vehicles in that. They're a sales representative, not just with customers, but with vendors, with the company, with marketeers that come in and the dispute resolution manager. They're handling all the customer complaints and the upset customers, their fault or not their fault. They're managing the vendors and, you know, drop off and pick up and I want a better discount and all the other things that an advisor is typically doing. And a lot of times I'm going to step aside for a second, but that advisor role so many times is actually more of a manager role because they're thrown under the bus. When the owner's not on site, they're the on-site manager. They're the warranty manager, which means, okay, you wrote it up, you track that RO for three, five, six, nine months for that vendor to actually pay the warranty claim on it. 
the frontline marketing representative with the customers. They're really the marketeers of the business. Is really the advisors. Then they got to then they got to be play quarterback. They got to do the workflow dispatching, and it's got to change in the moment. Clint did a great class at ATE East on scheduling a workflow management. There is no perfect answer for every second of the day. They got to dance on their feet. They're the shop manager. They're the team leader. They're the parts representative, the parts manager. And then they got to be up on all the technology software. They got to be able to translate it to the customer. They got to be able to make the computers work, the credit card processing machine work. They're the gatekeeper for the shop owner because the shop owner puts all that on them and then says, by the way, I want you to screen my calls. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then they got to head up the shuttle and the rental and loaner fleet and put them in and get the paperwork signed out and then, you know what, we got, you know, they got to be Guido. They got to play accounts receivable manager. They put that guy on account, you know, you got to, you know, he's been on account for a while and now you got to go follow up. They have to be facilities manager. When they get there, they open up, they open up the doors. They, they should be walking the lot and checking for vandalism and all the things that you do when you open the store, all the things you do when you close the store. And then we want them to work nine to 10 hours a day. Most of the time we're asking them to work through lunch and breaks. And then we want to reward them with, Okay, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll make 60, 80 grand for that. It's like, something's not lining up there. I'm a little overwhelmed right now. I think I need a break. <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> we'll take you off the screen and Clinton Murray and I will, will just talk while you recover from that. But you know, to your point, it's so much work that we offer. And sometimes we wonder, guys, and I know we're going to talk about this, but what else can we, can we get any support so we can add volume? To it so that we can actually handle all the throughput that we get. I don't think I could do that job. I'm going to suggest that there are people who can do that, but it's less than 2% of the population of advisors. <laughs> and there's, and there are people, there are guys I've seen do that at, for one season in my life. I did a lot of that, plus owned the shop and ran the shop. Yeah. I could do it for a season, but then there was also a season that followed that. I could do it season was burnout season. <laughs> and it yeah. comes quickly and it, it doesn't even knock the door. It just, Flings the door wide open and you're done. What gets me too is that on top of that, all of that, Murray did a great job. In fact, I'd like Murray to address, you know, he broke down the customer interaction in minutes. And go ahead and share that, Murray, with all the minutes and each one customer, how long a day, any minutes in a day that that customer, the advisor has to handle that customer. You know, if the phone rings, you make an appointment, five minutes, customer drops off their car, seven to 10 minutes. Assign it to a tech, two minutes. Review the, you know, the inspection and the estimate, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how complex the job is. Uh, call the client up and inform and educate them about, you know, what's going to happen and what they need to do and ask for their authorization. So that could be seven minutes, 10 minutes. Then, you know, maybe in there is arranging a shuttle, you know, a couple of minutes, ordering the parts and putting them into a parts bin system. And then, you know, calling the client up, finishing all the paperwork and everything, everything posted, calling them up, going over the work order, and then dealing with giving them the keys and the payment. And my, my addition of the numbers, rattling it off, was 62 minutes on the low level and 92 minutes on the high level. And I actually have one client that measured this, and uh, he said it was an hour and 47 minutes was the average transaction at his high-level client care shop. So he's even passed, wow. you know, he's at past the 90 minutes, right? That is just the list I gave you. That's got half of that stuff that's on Dave's list wasn't even on that list. So explain this, break this down. Is it, for example, 90-some minutes per service advisor for the day, per person? So if they have 10 customers, that's 90 minutes. That's 900 minutes. Divide 900 minutes by 60 
I can't even do the math. I'm so stressed out right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a gross issue if it's that big. If it's 90 minutes per client, yes. But Carm, no, that isn't a gross issue. In my opinion, when you take that hour and a half throughout the day and broken it down, you have an average RO of $1,000. You have sold hours per work order of three. You have a client that gives you five-star reviews. You are managing that whole process. You are holding their hand. You're communicating. You're updating them every couple hours throughout the day about the progress. Now, I know that we have technology on board that is supposed to speed that whole process up, but a lot of us don't want to be sped up. A lot of us want to be spoken with. We want to be advised. We don't want to just do this with text messaging. So I feel the industry is using technology to enhance that. And I agree with it to a certain point. But at a certain point, you get to have too much technology, you're going to have a disconnect. And now people are going to be, I want to go to a shop that I can talk to. So I think it's a blend of using the tech for certain things and using the phone or other communication for other things. So I see it as a positive thing when we do it. And I'm going to just throw out two numbers in there. Two brand new clients, first joined just last meet, just this week, showed up in their group, 1.1 sold hours per work order. Half of the group is at three already, right? They're, they're peers, right? They've been, been coached. We then looked at another KPI, number of work orders per advisor. The ones that are at three hours per work order have <laughs> three to four work orders per advisor in the day. Those two new group members, one guy has 14 work orders per advisor. The other guy has 12 work orders per advisor. Yeah. Why do you think there's only one hour per work order? We're just doing the one thing the customer asked for. Get him in, get him out, get him in, get him out, get him in, get him out. That's my saying. It's quantity over quality is what it is. Exactly. That's one of our greatest challenges in this industry. We have hyper-focused on quantity for so long. One of the things that uh, I have always said, I've been doing this for decades, we all have, and uh, we're looking at speed of service. Speed of service equals more clients in a day. And there have been some factors in our world the last couple of years that have put the kibosh on speed of service the way as we know it. And when we continue to hyper-focus on what was, we will never, ever get to what will be. And that's a relationship-based business where we look at the efficiency or proficiency of your service advisors like we do your technicians. We track this infinitely with a technician and their ability to produce. Mm -hmm. And yet many of us turn a blind eye to the fact that a service advisor has those same capabilities to be tracked, weighed, measured, gauged, and improved upon. The most efficient person in the business needs to be the advisor. Absolutely needs to be the advisor. And it starts with every process needs to be efficient. If you don't have an efficient phone answering, if you don't have an efficient appointment making, if you don't have an efficient drop-off, you're not going to give a repair order out to a tech to be efficient. You know, and, and I see this all the time with Murray experience with those two new clients. They're one to 1.5 hours repair order. That's just order taking. There's no selling going on at all. That's reactionary process in that. An A-level advisor is typically going to handle close six to eight repair orders a day, yep. but process 12 to 15. They're not closing them that day, but they're processing that. Ones that are going to carry over, wait on parts a couple of days. So they're in process with those other ones. But they're closing at four hours for Peridor and their monthly GP is at goal. And A-level advisors can get there with a 70% closing ratio. The problem with it is, is that when you give a technician a reparator that's less than three hours per reparator, you cannot point a finger out of the shop, out of the techs for inefficiencies. They're on and off a reparator every 1.1 hours reparator. They have no chance to be efficient. And I see shop owners yelling at the techs for, why aren't you efficient? Well, you only got a 1.2 hour repair order. How can you be efficient with it? And then what happens then is that the owner inadvertently pits the advisor, the techs against the advisors and the advisors against the techs. 
And then they can't figure out why they don't have team cohesiveness. And it really comes down to, and I believe the, if I was to put the 30, 60,000 foot view of what caused this situation to happen, I believe it's this. Our forefathers in our industry did a great job in so many aspects of paving the way for independent auto repair centers. But one of the things, the major hamstring they gave us is one day, some of them said, I need more business, so I'm going to do LOF price wars. And LOF scarcity mindset has adapted to what we pay our techs, what we pay our advisors, how many people we, we offer. Our business model in most shops is LOF scarcity thinking. What we want to do as coaches, and I know that coaches in this town, we're abundant-minded. You know what? Let's hire somebody else. Well, I can't afford that. Why can't you afford that? What would it take? Let's reduce it to the ridiculous. You know what? You add that on, and you're doing a certain amount of car count. You're doing 175, 200 car count a month. You know, you raise your labor rate and your parts matrix a little bit, and you just paid for that person. You raise your hours for a parator, and you paid for maybe two people to put in that place. You know, I I know that the effectiveness that, that Murray and and Clint and a lot of the other coaching industry, we're typically gaining our clients anywhere from two hundred to four hundred thousand of new GP dollars in twelve months. Of which seventy to eighty percent of that, a lot of times, trickles right down to the bottom, right to the yeah. net. So yeah. all of a sudden, now I freed up, I don't know, seventy-five, a hundred grand to hire a A-level advisor, and I believe that. And I might take some flack for this, but seventy-five to hundred grand is like entry-level advisor. Your real yeah, advisor is making one hundred and fifty, two hundred grand a year. Technicians, 150, 200 grand a year, or we're never going to solve the issues in our industry. Yeah. Something that I use to illustrate this uh, with my clients, and I know that I think Carm might have heard a piece of this in the past, is I tell people my wife's Volkswagen Tiguan has only ever had one standalone oil change appointment in its life. And that was his very first visit to a dealer because there was a warranty issue at the same time as his first visit. After that, it was always booked for what it was due for. Once it had 10, 20,000 miles on it, average work order for the next few years, two visits a year was $500, you know, a GDI service, wipers, a brake fluid exchange, coolant exchange, you know, and eventually we needed plugs and eventually we needed brakes and things like that. And so the shop you know, the shop we used to take it to, the aftermarket shop, I trained them on how to do this process. Uh, we were pre-booked. We would get an email reminding us. We didn't call a shop ever with that Tiguan, ever in this life, or, except for the first one. Can I book in an oil change, Bernie? Bernie would call me up or email me and say, Murray, your car is due for service. I said, what are we doing today? He'd give me the list, the total, and away we would go. And then we move away from the city to another town, and I'm looking for a shop. I find a place that I hear is looking for my services. So I thought, okay, let's you know support them. And they're so busy with car count and their entire place that when I drop off my car, I'm literally feel uncomfortable to bring up other topics or ask more questions because I'm getting the give me the keys and get out of my way and it will have your tires done by such and such a time. Two weeks later, my wipers were streaky. Uh, a week and a half later, my we, my front window wouldn't defrost and the cabin air filter was plugged. And if the cabin air filter was plugged, that means the engine air filter was plugged. They went from a $100 oil change to an opportunity for around $275, I calculated it. And all they would have had to do was ask me a couple of questions. How's your wipers? How's the defrost? Or maybe even ask if I have any records of past services on the truck. And so that's what I'm talking about. When I want to book in my changeovers with them, they book by the hour appointment. I got a three o'clock, a four o'clock. I'm just like shaking. Their clients leave their car for the day. 
Yep. Worst case scenario with my newest clients, these guys that are at the 14 cars per advisor, their new policy that they're implementing this month is eight to noon, one to five. We don't do 10 o'clock appointments. We don't do two o'clock appointments because you don't know what you're going to find, what parts you're going to need, what kind of conversations, what kind of things you're going to have to paperwork you're going to have to do. Why are we offering this kind of instant service? When in reality, two visits a year with everything looked after is way more convenient than seven visits a year, bringing one in for this and for that and for that and for that and for that and for that, that, right? We do it because our forefathers set us up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Love love you guys, mean it. I'm part of that forefathers quiz, so I do bear some responsibility for yeah, that. We, we set we set ourselves up for failure in this industry, and I and one of the one of the phrases that I use that I think is just absolute truth is why do customers wait? Why do they wait? We know it's so frustrating. Look at the statistics: waiters don't buy. Well, of course they don't buy, but why do they keep waiting? Because they think they have to, and because we invite them to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> set yourself up for success. I love it, Murray. As we look at the the problems are easy to describe. The solutions need to be multifaceted. As much as we're giving them, you know, a 50-sided Rubik's Cube to operate every day, the solutions aren't quite that complicated. Really, the yeah. big solution is you got to get somebody with a different perspective. You can get a coach. There are yeah. so many great coaches, and I may take flack for this, but this industry actually needs more coaches. We need people that can actually hit all the shops because Mary, Clint, I, Cecil, all the great coaches that are out there, we could be booked for 24 months and still never touch all the shops. It's ridiculous the kind of insight that needs to be. And all that would be is an invite to top shop owners. Talk to us about being a coach, what it means. But the solution, I believe, is going to be a perspective that the shop owner doesn't see. Turn on GP dollars to build it so that now you can capture an hour to hour and a half more per repair order. You don't need the puppy mill of car count anymore. Now you just need quality, which is what Clint pointed out. We need quality and not quantity. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a can job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then, get this. They pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. 
Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. We're working so hard because we're doing some traveling, and uh, some of the interviews that I've been doing in the last uh, four or five days kind of have blurred together, but there was one of them that we were talking about where an individual reaches their top end. Maybe it was on the camp call on Monday, and I think I brought up the word flatline, and it was like you get to a certain point and you flatline out, and the only way that you actually get the heart beating again is to get an accountability coach, someone that says, you need to be able to say, look at, you know, uh, I'm toast. I can't do much more. I need a kick in the butt. I flatlined. And maybe that's another great new term in the industry that we can start using. When you interview a new client, Marie says, okay, so is your, is your heart beating? I'm just curious. Have you flatlined? And maybe that's the, the big reason you need me. There's a good marketing line. I'm, I'm writing that down, actually. Thank you. That's what I do for a living. Ideas. So far, the content has been fabulous. Thank you guys so much for being here and to, and to, to really push this subject way up to a, a new height of discussion. Part of my life, I was a whiner complainer and, you know, how things weren't working, <laughs> but I found it didn't serve me very well to go create solution. Let's talk about remarkable results that we can produce in a shop about things that will actually allow a shop owner to see abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. Part of the solution is, is hiring another advisor for sure. Yes. But you need to make sure your systems and processes are at optimal point to bring that advisor in. And you need to have a detox period for the advisor that was pulling his hair out or her hair out. You got to have that kind of a, of a mindset. And so some of these, so I've had some solutions where each advisor had an admin assistant. Mm-hmm. They ordered parts. They picked up the ball and ran with a lot of admin things. And they got a certain portion of the sales. There was so it was in, involved in the incentive plan. Hire a second or third advisor. Divide up the roles of the three advisors. One person opens the store. One person closes the store. There's different things you can do. And all of this is predicated, by the way, to hire these other people. I know shop owners. At times, we feel so overwhelmed with, I just can't pay the bills. That's why you need a coach. You need a coach who's going to go get you another four hundred to five hundred grand of new GP dollars in twelve months. And guarantee that they're going to give that for you, no matter how you show up. But there's certain things that you need to implement. You implement those and you're going to get those. We're not worried about our coaching because we know it's tried and true proven methods. They're going to get you that. Be open to that. All of this is predicated on, let's go turn some GP dollars on. And I've had clients that, you know, $60,000 coaching package, they paid it off in 45 days of new GP dollars. That's how fast the cash flow can turn on with the right coaching and training. But you hire, you know, customers relations receptionist manager. I know some shops, that's all they do. They greet the customer. They're not even answering phones. They greet the customer. They get them coffee. They get them all this. And they're an active part of the active delivery at the end. Hire a parts expediter. I had my service porter parts expediter, and I call him a service expediter. He would manage my parts, my inventory, divided my inventory up into four sections. Each week I did a full inventory count. Every Monday he would print me a report, you know, low inventory by vendor. Bring it to me. Yep. Order them all. I train them how to order. I train them how to do a road test with a customer. I train them to watch the workflow, see who's doing the next transmission service, and put the chemical in and go out and drive it for them. Go through the shifting process. 
Load the machine with the right coolant, with the right transmission fluid. Some shops have hired a call center. There's some mechanisms out there to screen your calls. I'm not a big proponent of that, but these shops are doing it and they hasn't affected their ARO or their customer satisfaction to date. So it's a solution that can work if you get the right call center. A shop foreman that dispatches, take the dispatching Ruby's Cube off the advisor. Have the shop foreman that's a non-working shop foreman that he deals with technology and everything. Hire an advisor efficiency coach. One of the things with number eight there is most advisors create their own time deficiency. And the reason I know that firsthand is I would do this. I would give a value words and reasonings. They need to buy this and here's why. Well, the amount of words I gave them set up an objection. And so I would handle that objection. And so then I would give value words and reasonings for that one. And then they would give me another objection. And by my third value words and reasonings, I closed the sale. Pat myself on the back 20 minutes later. And I started mm-hmm. saying, okay, wait a second, what actually closed the sale? Well, you know what? It was the second and third value words and reasonings. Why don't I just bring that up to my first presentation of a mm-hmm. power steering service, transmission service? Bring that up. And now these 10, 15, 20-minute conversations that a lot of us think are the norm move to, with existing customers, three to five, and new customers, five to seven minutes. And if I have, you know, I'm dealing with 15 customers a day on average, 12 to 15, and I save, I don't know, 15 minutes a customer, do the math. How much time did you just free up? When I front load the repair order with a certain amount of dollar hours per repair order, before we work on the car, I'm actually mm-hmm. in a, we have a process where we front load the repair order through a sales process. And basically what we're saying is that, Mr. Jones, do you trust us enough to open your wallet before we even look at the car? Now, I don't say it that way. It doesn't come out that way, <laughs> but that's really what we're doing. And when you build trust with your customer, The advisor's number one job responsibility, state of mind. What state am I in right now to handle Mr. and Mrs. Jones coming to the door? Number two, my number two job responsibility is to build trust with the customer. It's not to sell parts and labor with dollars attached to it. In fact, there isn't an advisor on this planet I would ever tell, I want you to sell parts and labor with dollars attached to it. You don't sell that at all. You sell what the customer wants to buy, which is peace of mind. So those top two things have to do with the human element. Number one, to be of the best state of mind, how many owners are giving their, their advisors or even their techs personal development? Are you giving them leadership and personal development training to be a better version of themselves? And if they're not, and you want them to be better than they were yesterday, and all you did was change a mechanism, but you didn't change their belief system or their thinking value, good luck with that. They're not going to really change. You're going to be frustrated. I bought this new system. I paid a coach to come in, and they didn't change at all because you got to invest in your people. It's the intangible. It has more to do with creating a tangible than a tangible trying to create more tangible. Sorry, I might have had a few cups of coffee today. (laughs) (laughs) David, I love that the concept that you alluded to was called picking up pennies. Throughout our day, there are so many things that we can do to shave off just sometimes minutes. You pointed right at phone calls. That's one of the things that I think is actually should be a KPI as your average phone call, your sales call length. 20 minutes? Are you kidding me? Of course, we're out of time. Of course, we're strapped. And if I give it all away here, I've got nothing left to give with the next customer. And so knowing what is right, what is true, what we should be doing, what's our marker? We're at three to five minutes. Absolutely. How do we get there? The strategy that you gave with front loading, 100%. I'm the advocate. I'm the guy on the other side that says, do an inspection that will blow your mind, set them up to read it, build value in it. When they read it, they call you. I love these calls. I have a whole file full of these calls. How much are the reds? This much. Can you get it done? I can get it done. See you tomorrow. I love the $5,000 call in 30 seconds. Have a nice day. That 
right there picks up pennies. There's a lot of different strategies involved. And I think, like you mentioned, you bring the right individual in to hold your team accountable, to not just process, but mindset and shift your way of thinking, shift your focus. That's how we get there. You know, Murray brought up a great point about his Volkswagen, that when he goes in there, they already know what they need. They've gone to great lengths to figure that out. In the dealership realm, there's a little bit easier. I believe it's harder in some aspects and easier in some other aspects. But there's a tool in the aftermarket that put DVI on steroids. And that's this a partner with service intelligence. Every repair order visit should be prepped, which means that customer or that advisor is putting on that repair order what I call CDFM. The captive sale, what does the customer know they're coming in for? The LOF, the flat tire, the vibration, the oil leak, whatever it is, check engine light. They're coming in for that. Then number two, what was deferred? What did we call last time that didn't get done? We got to do that. And then what's the F, the factory maintenance, if it's still under 120,000 miles or 100,000 miles and still has a relevant warranty on it, we got to make sure as an independent that we take care of that to factory levels or that customer could get their warranty declined. Yeah. And yeah. then the real maintenance plan to get them to 250, 300,000 miles. And if your advisor is doing that right, prepping a repair order going, okay, this Mr. Jones with this 2016 Subaru Outback, he drives 18 miles a day, which means he's due for this service, that service, this service. And how do I know that he drives 18 miles a day? If my point of sale is not going to give it to me, I got to go do the math. And all that stuff with service intelligence, you click a button and in 30 seconds, you got a report and you start the conversation with, here's the things in blue. Here's the things, Mr. Jones, we know you don't need to buy. We know exactly because we track the analytics of each one of your preventative maintenance services. We track that. And when you have that conversation with a customer, you start the conversation. Here, Mr. Jones, here's what you don't need to buy. We're going to maximize as much time and effort or time and effort out of that fluid as possible. Who does that? Wait a second. You're an advisor telling me what I don't need to buy versus the advisor that always tells me what I need to buy. And you talk about the, hey, it's in red, do it. When they get the appointment reminder, now they get a report that's in red that says, hey, these things are due. And you get it pre-authorized. So there you front load it based on an integrous message of that's how they drive the car. Because you get the next guy, he's got a 2016 Subaru Outback. He drives 68 miles a day. Are they on the same maintenance plan? But as shops, we do that. And now we create a stress on the counter for the techs, the advisors, our CRM to even follow. It's just brutal with that. Well, I kind of wanted to go in a slightly different direction with my comments. This is just absolutely amazing. And those uh, great DVI comments are just amazing. And Carm, this is where I do believe in technology. It really helps speed things up. So don't get me wrong. (laughs) But uh, a couple of things I want to say, if I go back to the first slide we saw, we talked about, you know, the all those roles, and I'm looking at that role, and I'm like, that's a shop manager. That's the manager's yeah. job, right? That's yeah. not or the owner's Absolutely. job. And then we should pick out the pieces of that that are the service advisor's job. And then I looked at the second slide, and I saw that admin assistant, and I thought to myself, in my early years of coaching, as I encouraged people to get more advisors, or to get an advisor, actually, back in my early days, just get one, you know what people <laughs> would hire? An admin assistant. Again, scarcity mindset, $14 an hour. They can answer the phones, yep. da, 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 da. They can do the books for me. And then they can start doing my social media. And it's like, oh my goodness, you get what you pay for, right? So the part of my passion around this is, is what is the position clarifying the position that you're hiring for mm. and then pay for that position, that part of it, right? So that, that piece is, is we think, oh, this person's no good. Well, what were you thinking when you hired them? You know, they're 19 years old and they've got four years experience at a real estate office as a receptionist. Like, I'm not throwing that person under the bus per se, but you didn't give them a chance. They, you hired the wrong person for the job. 
the other practical things that I want to give to, to the owners listening here today is they're not your social media manager. That is somebody right. else's job. Number yeah. one, they are not your bookkeeper. They do not need to do bookkeeping. But some of the <laughs> roles that owners choose their advisors to do are clearly not an advisor role. They have nothing to do directly with the client that day. There should be as simple as a shuttle driver. Maybe mm-hmm. the advisor coordinates the ride because maybe it's a smaller shop and there's that person there. A larger shop probably has somebody who's going to coordinate that. But, you know, this idea of an advisor having to leave the building and drive a customer home. My goodness gracious, where did that crazy. idea come from? It's crazy. Right? As high level as this stuff is, I wanted to make sure we threw in some very low level, low hanging fruit to solve some of these problems. Because it's easy for us coaches to go like way up here, right? Because of some of the people we work with (laughs) are way up there. You know, it seems to me that if the solution is to hire admin assistant or we need it, we need a body. And once that person gets here, we will just dump on them. We'll give them admin assistant overload. Why not just sit down and say, all right, what's the role of this individual that we want to hire? And I think if you go through the lists like, you know, Dave and we've presented here, you'll be able to make a, a smarter hire if you realize what the role needs to be or what work do we really have to do in order to serve the customer better? I think along with you defining the tasks, duties, and responsibilities, I have a thing on our job description, we call them enhanced job descriptions because it starts out with the intangible. These are the character traits and behavioral traits of that individual. Solution-oriented, high energy. They bounce back from conflicts in the day. We have like eight or nine different, if not more, actually the advisor I think has got 12 or 13 character traits that we want. And at the end of that job description, that advisor is looking at the character traits, behavioral traits, and they should line up with the person we want to put in that job. So no, how do you want your advisor to behave? Put that in the job description. That's an expectation realistic expectation and then put the task duties and responsibilities that they're supposed to do and at the end of it have a commitment paragraph says hey i'm committed to being that person and and the right advisor is going to go oh yeah i'll do that because guess what i'm committed to being me because that's me that job description is more about the person than it is the duties and responsibilities and now you have the highest level of people in commitment and if your shop the context of your shop should always be there's two leadership styles There's lead by command or lead by commitment. When you lead by command, people are going to do just enough to not get fired. They're going to be in compliance. Or you lead by commitment. Are you committed? Can you commit to doing that? And when you lead by commitment, commitment eats command for lunch. It leads (laughs) compliance for lunch day in and day out. Yeah. This is almost like a setup, Dave, Clint, Murray, to, you know, maybe some additional I offer if you guys want to collaborate and come back and put a bow on a another part two because we'll bring maybe a, a few more solutions together. I love the whole concept here of trying to get find more gross margin in the in the business by slowing down and uh, and spending more time with the client. And there's so I have to tell you, I think the service advisor Clint is one of the most pivotal roles in the entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. Without the service advisor, we just don't. We can't. We won't. Can you imagine that the owner went from technician to counter and then into try to learn to be the CEO someday and uh, probably is grateful that they're no longer working that service counter anyway? Let's just try to sum this up. Uh, Murray, I'll I'll let you go uh, first, then Clinton, and then David. Uh, Let's put a bow on this and uh, uh, hear your final comments. 
I jokingly tease uh, some of my clients that when they went from being tech to owner and getting on the counter, and when they hired their first advisor, they said, here's the computer, here's the phone, leave me alone. (laughs) Right? That deep sense of relief that they don't have to deal with it. And of course, that did not set up that poor advisor for success. Um, One more thing I want to just quickly add, and I know we can expand on it in our next episode on this, is people ask me, do I need somebody with automotive background or not? And I say, absolutely not. People skills Dave's evaluation of the traits needed, people skills, um, highly organized uh, organizational skills, and everything else can be taught. And I used to say to people, yeah, it's okay if, you're, if your tech turned advisor does okay and so that. But you know what I'm watching the last eight months? My highest flying advisors have no experience in the automotive industry and they're doing great. And one of the reasons why I think they're doing great is when a customer walks in, they're at the same level yeah. when it comes to automotive knowledge. They're good at asking questions. And advisors have learned to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I sure know where to find it. And customers just love that. So let's go for people that bring other skills from other industries into this and they'll ramp it up. I have an episode coming up with an author from the hospitality industry. And it is amazing. I've got a kind of a, I haven't interviewed him yet, but I've got a prelim of what we're going to talk about. You want to know what a waiter would go through at one of the highest businesses, the the process, in the, like a 90-step process to greetings and checking out the ticket. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I can't wait to share that. Clint, you're next. Yeah, I just want to soundboard off of Murray. Absolutely. I, some of my uh, most successful uh, service advisor clients that I work with that come from food service industry have absolutely no knowledge. It's wonderful to watch them grow and bloom because they walk into an industry that is a people industry. Fixing cars, I I know this might blow your mind. We're not in the automotive repair industry. No, we're not. We're in the relationship industry, 100%. And once we get that nailed down, I can fix your car. I can groom your dog. I can mow your lawn, whatever you need me to sell. We've got to work with the person first. And one of those things that I think that we, one of those topics that I would love to expound on as well, Murray, would be as we hire in additional staff, maybe uh, somebody that does accounting or does the books or does some sort of uh, parts acquisition or or a shuttle driver, whoever it might be. Many times we're looking for a momentary solve in that situation. And we're looking for uh, have mirror, please fog. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that that's actually, that's a fail, why don't we have an apprenticeship program in our service advisory role where I bring somebody yes. in and I teach them the ropes and within yes. a year or two, we just turn on sales and they become the next advisor. Why do we have an advisor mm-hmm. shortage? Because we haven't trained them up from the inside yeah. and we just keep replacing them as the bodies fall. We've got to change our strategy, folks. Yeah, Boy, great, great point, Clint. Thank you for that. Thank you. Dave, you have the last word. I'm supposed to follow that? Oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> spot on. I think what I want to close with is to address and speak right to the advisors that are feeling overwhelmed and burnt out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unappreciated. There is a hope and future for you right where you're at. And it may look different what that solution looks like. My suggestion, it's not necessarily always up to the shop owner to go seek out training for you. Seek out your own training, personal development. Call yourself a coach. Hire a coach yourself on what that looks like. And depending on your incentive plan, you could probably afford the coaching. It's probably a little bit more affordable than you think it is because your increase, you might not be at a break even point for the first, you know, six months or whatever. But after that, you earn the rest of your life because you were given skills 
that are life skills. Yeah. They are people skills. They are trust building mm-hmm. skills. They're skills yeah. that will actually move you forward and create that hope and future that you want in your life. And the true advisor that he wants, not only for the customer, but he wants it for the techs. He wants it for the owner. He wants it for the shuttle driver. He wants the increase for everybody because an A-level advisor is a person who has contribution at heart. He loves serving people and he loves people. Thank you so much, Dave Shadeen, Comp. Track Automotive Management Systems, Murray Voth, RPM Training, Clint White, Coaching with Integrity. Guys, this was great. I'm going to call this part one, and we're going to have to come back and uh, and tighten this thing up. A lot of great wisdom. Uh, excellent episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank great you, Carl. to be here. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 